Hello, Internet. Uh, welcome to the Indie Game House podcast. My name is Steve Swink. I'm the creator of a experimental puzzle platform game where you shrink and grow things called Scale and a failed shadow game called Shadow <laughs> Physics, as well as other various projects that you can view on the Blurse.com website. Uh, with me, as always, are my lovely housemates, Aaron Robinson, creator of the uh, handcrafted razy, radial puzzle platforming. Crazy. <laughs> Racy <laughs> game. It's not racing. <laughs> Gravity racy Ghost game. is the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, as well as Puzzlebots, which you can get on Steam. Uh, Nanobots and Spooks, which you can both get on her website for the freeze. Uh, Corey Nolan, DJ Corey Nolan in the hizzy. Resident Plague Carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Who has been a little bit under the weather, but looks fine now. Uh, you're creating a game called Growing, which is, how would you describe it? Exactly. It's about motherhood. And we also work together at Secret Frog Studios at Arizona State University. We've made such games as Atlantis Remixed colon The Doctor's Cure and Atlantis Remixed question mark <laughs> Ready to Teach. The Doctor's Colon. The Doctor's We colon. already made that joke. And, yeah, it's the rejoke. Rejoke. Wee uh, wee. She, uh, she also runs the IGDA Phoenix. And she and Kyle co-run the IGDA Phoenix, although Corey puts in more work. <laughs> uh, we, the the fourth member of the Indie Game House is the famous Kyle Pulver. Good job, Kyle Pulver. Yeah, thanks. Creator of Snapshot, Offspring Fling, Depict One, Verge, Bonesaw, Guidey, and like a thousand other independent games that everyone loves. Yay. Yay. That's accurate. And our special guest for this week is Mr. Ben Prunty. Hello. Composer of the now super mega hit indie game <laughs> FTL, which stands for Fatter Than Light. Yeah, Fatter yeah, that's it. <laughs> Flatter Than Light. Okay, so on the podcast this week, we're going to um, talk about FTL, obviously. Um, I want to talk about motivation sometime, but I don't really feel very, um, so we're not going to this time. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk a little bit about just composition in general, because I think that'll be kind of interesting. We're going to talk about Octodad oh, yeah. being greenlit, as well as 20 other games, and how we feel about that and our ongoing Ooh. antipathy Jealousy. about the greenlight <laughs> service. <laughs> sure is opinions in here. Yeah, it's very opinionated in here. Uh, this is the official Danny B memorial episode. Just wanted to so big ups. Too soon. Now he's not in Phoenix. The yeah. Time. Good night, sweet He's prince. He's gone to a better place, <laughs> Seattle. He's I guess. gone to Seattle, which is better than Phoenix, just you know, objectively. He's living on a fucking peninsula, so yeah. yeah. He has three yeah. windows of lake. Mm-hmm. Peninsula fucking greater than desert. <laughs> That's how that chart goes. Fucking Indian elite. Yeah. yeah. Stop yeah. buying houses. <laughs> well, Phoenix is all happy. <laughs> He's flying the cannibal copter there. Yeah. Air, is, air dropping. Phoenix's number one export is talent. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I guess that's why I'm still here. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Way to twist that around and shoot yourself in the face with it. I mean, that was comedy. Good. <laughs> okay, so Ben, welcome. Hello. You've been staying in the indie game house for um, a couple of week <laughs> days. I guess a I was gonna say <laughs> hundreds of hours. Yes. Yeah, many hundreds I was of hours. Thousands yeah, of many. minutes. Yeah, thousands and thousands of minutes. Uh, what do you think of the indie game house? It's a good time. Does it indeed have uh, four game developers, two couples, one house? It, it really does. As I, advertised. I, I counted. <laughs> How many birds are there? Four. Very good. No. Wow. <laughs> two couples also. We all have a bird equivalent. I guess I, guess I can close the trap door to the murder hole. Yeah. <laughs> For now. For now. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us about FTL, the production of FTL, what you thought of the release, things like that. Um... It was uh, mostly very fun. Um, they approached me back in October, or they didn't approach me. I, I uh, yeah, how'd the whole thing get started? So my friend Anton, who made the PlayStation Moves, he <laughs> he just <laughs> made it, guys. He just made Fuck. it totally. Multi-handedly. That's a, that's a powerful name drop right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. like he's like an electrical engineer and a software developer, right? Yes. Yeah. Double major. Double major. Knowledge. Made the move. Yeah, and amazing. he and another guy at Sony built the move with a small team. Anyway, he knew Matt Davis, who is the programmer for FTL. Uh, they went to school in Berkeley together. And Anton knew that I was uh, a musician looking for work and projects. So 
he came over one day with the with FTL like on a thumb drive and was like, hey, my friend's making this sweet game. And we played it for like an hour and it was awesome. And I was like, yes, I'll do music for this. And uh, that's how that started. Um, was that before the Kickstarter or was that? That was, yeah, that was well before the Kickstarter. Okay. Kickstarter was in March, yeah. I think. Yeah, March. And April. I actually remember talking to you at some point online. You were, you were like, I want to make game for this game. I want to make music for this game, FTL. And I think they might let me. Yes. And you were like so you're like so excited. It was yeah, I was very excited to do a space game. That was something that I can do really well. So My game's a space game. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you should do music for Aaron's game. Right? Uh, yeah. You know, maybe I will. So I think <laughs> about a good that. Idea. It's crazy that that connection was made on the podcast wow. like that. We're witnessing <laughs> you're hearing history. Yeah, history in the making. Historian gets to do more. Space guy. So much for your legacy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so yeah, so I did a few tracks over time, but I didn't really dive into it until like May when I realized that they had ordered like 12 tracks and I only, had only done like three. And I was like, oh crap, I really need to get this finished by September. And uh, so I pretty much, I took a ton of time off from work and worked non-stop from like May to mid-August doing nothing else. And how many tracks did you end up with? Uh, the final game has something like like 12 dynamic tracks plus like four more non-dynamic tracks. Um, yeah, dynamic tracks mean there's just like two, oh. ver two versions of every song, yeah, what's right? The, what's the dynamic yeah. music implementation? So each... Uh, each track is actually two versions, two different versions of one song, and in the game they play simultaneously, but the, the game only has one playing at any time, uh, and it crossfades between the two depending on what's going on. So when you're exploring, it has the relaxing explore music. Mm -hmm. um, the battle music is actually playing, but it's playing at zero volume at the okay. same time. And then if battle starts, it crossfades, so it fades out the exploration music. And it gets and real. Then, and yeah, <laughs> shit gets real, and the battle music gets in, uh, fades in, and uh, yeah, that's really how it all works. Then when the battle ends, it fades back into. Uh, I feel like a lot of people music. spend a lot of effort making crazy dynamic music, and most of the time, doing something as simple as crossfading between two tracks that are like a crazier version of the you know each other or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really thought I was. Better. I was like chickening out by doing just two tracks and fading between them, but everyone seemed to think it was really clever instead, so yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty happy. Well, you were playing some of them for me earlier, and I liked that you had the one that's like a very calming ambient space song, and I'm like, wait, there's a battle version of this? And sure enough, you just switch it to a, like a minor sort of chord progression. Yeah, yeah, so the, hard, the real challenge was even the relaxing stuff had to keep the underlying rhythm for the battle music so that it would fit, they'd like fit together like puzzle pieces or like an interlocking chains. Um, so even if you don't hear a strong rhythm in the exploration music, there is a rhythm going on underneath everything and everything's fitting in with the rhythm, even if it's silent. It's really cool. We did exactly the same thing with Blush, the Blurst game, where it's just two tracks that play on top of each other, except that we discovered that when we turned the more intense track on, you could just leave the other track on underneath it, and it just made like a crazy mm. double syncopated, like hyper intense version <laughs> of it. So we actually just rolled with that, and it just turned out amazing. That was in my Danny. Wow. Nice. So it's just like two tracks playing on loop, and then you just turn the other one on. <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds pretty amazing. Was it a challenge to make it so that at any point in the song it could go to the battle version and like work, you know, musically? Yeah, it, it did make it kind of a challenge because the battle, like, I want to be. I want to have like peaks and valleys in the battle music, but I can't really do that as much. It has to be, it has to maintain a certain level of uh, intensity at any time. And that can be kind of hard to maintain throughout a whole track from start to finish when you really want to do like, like a, give it a shape of some kind. So you want it to have like really loud parts, really quiet parts and everything. But that that's what the dynamic music is for and it, that fills that in for you. But when you're writing, it's hard to, so you had to sort of exercise restraint and keep it chilled the whole time? Yeah, you have to yeah. keep it chilled. But then what the fun part of that is, like, I keep it chilled through that whole time thinking I cannot wait to add, to make the next version and add, like, crazy drums on top of this later. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. 
Yeah, it would have been really hard if you made the, the hardcore version first and then you had to dial it back, like right, do the yeah. acoustic version. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. That would have been pretty rough. Most of the time <laughs> I was the guy with the harmonica. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sad version. Sad. Get John Popper to solo over the top of it. <laughs> cool, all right. Well, that game is fascinating to me for a number of different reasons. I know me. you love it. I, well, I like the game a lot, and I, I always take that as a bad sign financially because <laughs> i figure if i really like the game there's no way it's going to be popular but man did it ever turn out to be popular like way more than anyone could have ever yeah, predicted we never guessed that it would be i mean i guess you, you had that inkling when the kickstarter took off like a goddamn rocket but yeah so so why indie game house why was that game popular and and ben also chime in i'm just i'm interested in your thoughts well. star trek <laughs> I think it starts with Star Trek. That's a big part. Yeah. But there have a lot of people who have tried to make that kind of game. Yeah. Like the I'm the Bridge Commander game. I can tell you that one of the reasons that they failed, I think, that other games failed at that, delivering that experience, is they would always give you piloting control. And when people think of captaining a starship, they don't actually think of piloting it. And it always turns into like a dogfighting game. You play any of the Star Trek like bridge games or whatever and you always end up piloting and that's not really fun like dog fighting because you're like i want to be a captain you don't really actually get to be you're like oh i'm the pilot instead interesting <laughs> yeah that's really interesting FTL focuses fdl cuts out all piloting as you can tell like your ships are just stationary the whole time no way um, I, I upgrade my piloting for increased dodge well yes you do but <laughs> but <laughs> shut up <laughs> the, no, no, that makes sense. That's a really good observation. So it focuses entirely on the inside of your ship, and you're actually ordering your crew around, which I don't think any other game actually ever did, or tried to. At least maybe, maybe not that I know. There may be some gurus being do all it. sassy. Well, what's fascinating to me about it is that it it is such a familiar thing, right? It's it's you're the commander of the spaceship, and the ships are shooting each other. And you get the nebulae and the laser <laughs> weapons and the, you know, the asteroids. The asteroids and the, yeah, well, what's fascinating to me about it is it's not like they went and reached so far outside of what tons and tons of other people have been doing. There's, like, all the 4X games, there's, like, gratuitous space battles, and then there's all the Star Trek games that actually literally take from the Star Wars canon, and then, you know, this just... Star Trek. That's We're going to anger I mean. a lot of people with that comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of Star Wars too, right? Like running around the inside of the Millennium Falcon and shit. Sure, I, I think actually, like I mean, okay. Star what Wars, yes, Star Wars games. No, but there might could be. be, yeah, are, could be. Are played, exclusively dogfighting almost. I played mm. Star Wars Rebel Assault too. Yeah, Star Wars is a little bit less cerebral yeah. than Star Trek. I apologize. <laughs> Should unanger all the nerds. Yeah, well, no, that won't cause any arguments <laughs> to save the Federation. Yeah, <laughs> and just. The, FTL was able to take these elements that so many other people have tried and turn it into something really compelling. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, where do those guys come from, the developers? Um, Shanghai. I know that Matt went to school at Berkeley. Uh, I don't know about Justin, but they both lived in Shanghai um, to work at 2K Games, I think. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what they were doing. And then they, they were dissatisfied with that, and they decided to be indies. That's amazing. Make their own game. And they did, and it turned out to be amazing. So it's a good idea. That's very right. great. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody quit your jobs. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they had an advantage in that Shanghai is inexpensive to live in for mm. them. Oh, it is for their for their the pay they were getting. I guess uh, it, was, it was pretty easy for them. But then you the, have to be able the, to digest the relative. food, though. Yeah. Then the only problem is that you have to live in Shanghai. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, I think they're both moving out now that they have money. <laughs> good move. Yeah. We had a bad time. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you wanted to lose weight, that wouldn't be a bad place to live. Scorpions for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? No, it was more like like you'd go to a place that was like a Starbucks, and they'd have something that's like a croissant sandwich, but not quite a croissant sandwich. Like, it's a croissant with a little wilty piece of lettuce and some deli meats that don't really go. And that is the thing that is most similar to food that you could find anywhere. Yeah, we had a lot of dumplings. Because otherwise it's like nondescript meat that's sitting on a counter in or a back Or a whole alley. grouper sitting on an eye. Or, yeah, yeah, lots of things with eyes. Nice. Mm-mm. Mm. I get the eyes. But, but actually, I mean, like, the whole eyes thing, right, that's just like a cultural difference, but actually everyone got sick <laughs> when we were there. Yeah. Not just me and Aaron, but everyone, like yeah. Andy Deschatzen and... His wife. Deschatz? Yeah, Deschatzen. Alexander Bruce, he gets sick. Probably not, actually. That guy's a tank. Yeah. Well, he only he only gets calories through alcohol, so he right. doesn't actually 
he's not really at risk because there's <laughs> nothing can live in the alcohol that he right, drinks. Yeah, so it's kind of. I don't think he gets drunk off alcohol. I think he just gets more Bruce. Probably. Yeah. It's like, like uh, it's like the flux capacitor. Mr. Fusion powers the flux <laughs> capacitor, but the the engine still runs on regular gasoline. That was part of what like made it so terrifying when he was sick last. Was it last GDC? I was saying Bruce. Oh yeah, patient yeah. zero. Oh no. Was it like Pax Pox? No, it was at GDC. If this can infect him, we're all fucked. Yeah. If this hardened Australian shows up sick. Yeah. What chance do we have? Australian no. superbug from the outback. <laughs> What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> FTL. Doesn't matter, yeah. I lost a bit with my cat. We're talking about why FTL... Had to drink the contents of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> why FTL, like, when it was released, became the number one bestseller on Steam. Yeah, that's bananas. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, it, it is really fascinating. I don't I don't have a particular an explanation for it, and I'm sure that, that they don't either. They're not, yeah, I mean, they really did expect it to be kind of niche, like, that very few people would enjoy it because it was a roguelike and it wasn't very flashy deliberately yeah i know it's it's great in that you know the graphics are pretty modest by modern standards and it's really done well and i don't know i'm just blown away by the game itself mm -hmm. like it's a comically awesome first game to make <laughs> as an indie game but it's also it's also just the reception to it yeah it's just amazing i'm so i'm so pleased that that has happened yeah, yeah, I think Steam has been warming up to roguelikes just in general, and I don't know like when it started, but I feel like you know Binding of Isaac being as popular as mm. it is probably a good sign because like people fucking love that shit. They like, like if you go on Twitch TV, there's usually like a thousand people watching you know like Isaac streams, just people playing through Binding of Isaac. Mm. That's kind of weird. I don't know. It's just people like they make their streaming careers on Twitch TV just playing through Isaac. This well, this one dude has like a save file with like a thousand like mom kills and like one death, and he's like so proud of it. And he's like, I don't know, it's like because every every death he's just like I don't want to get a second death on my on my save file. So it's like I don't know, he plays it very seriously. But um, my goodness, it's like there's a career in that. Uh, well, yeah, because on Twitch you can get uh, subscribers who can pay you they pay you monthly to oh to not get ads, and then um, oh okay, if you play ads you get paid uh, per view on your ad. I had no Wait, idea. Yeah. So, when you when you subscribe to a channel, it's actually like some part of it is going back to the streamer. Uh, a big a big portion of it is yes. Oh, that's awesome. I think so. When you like subscribe to somebody on Twitch TV, then like you're directly supporting that that person, and like Twitch TV obviously takes their cut. But... Oh, I had no idea about that. That's really yeah. cool. Um, there's a yeah, there's a kid who at the art institute where I used to teach who actually made a fair amount of money doing Let's Plays on Twitch mm. TV. Yeah. And it was really weird. <laughs> and I, I felt really old. Yeah. And, and also just... like I was in a sci-fi novel. Yeah. As you, were saying that, <laughs> as you were saying that, I was imagining trying to explain that to my grandmother and right. like giving up. It's like, no, people play video games and then people watch and then that person makes money somehow. And, <laughs> and she's like, wait, 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 what's video games? No, she'd be like, where does the money come out of the computer? Right. Is there a printer, a special printer you have to buy? Yes. Um, well, it's just like funny that this like caught on as a phenomenon. Like I remember growing up, I was I was the oldest, so I by default got to play all the games, and my brothers just like to sit there and watch. And my mom would be like, "Don't you guys want to turn?" And they're like, "No, we'll just watch." Yeah, sometimes it's good. Yeah, just watch. It was like, Especially if somebody's better than you. And it's that's like that's better. actually something people want to do. It's fun to watch Kyle play Unreal Tournament. Somebody, fi <laughs> somebody finally monetized that shit, guys. We should yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. Because I, I used to play, and it, it's one of those things that's so obvious to me now. Because it's just like when I was in college. And like somebody down the hall is playing through Resident Evil Four. There's like twelve people gathered in the room. Oh yeah. Lights out. Just so everyone watching that was, them play Resident just Evil. Just out. And it's just like <laughs> that was us too. Yeah. Sissing out. And everyone, yeah, everyone freaks out when like the giant chainsaw guy shows yep. up and chops off Leon's head. And Spoilers. Yeah. It's like the Spoilers. first time into the game. There's blood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it started out with like the esports scene, with like pro StarCraft players would stream themselves playing, and they would get like thousands of viewers. And then Twitch TV, like, like Justin TV became Twitch TV or whatever the hell happened there. And then, like, these really popular esports figures could, like, uh, be partnered up with Twitch TV, which means they could run commercials. So then a commercial would then pay the streamer per, like, 
per person that saw the commercial. And the then stream. it evolved into paying not to have advertisements. Right. So then now there's <laughs> like the, the, yeah the subscription program where you could like subscribe and most streamers do like five bucks a month for no ads. And but otherwise, the ads go back to the. Yeah, yeah, this, the ads still pay there. Some small percentage too. Yeah, everybody wins. Yeah, but there's this one guy who like became like pretty famous in the StarCraft scene for being like the first like full-time streamer. Like he quit his job after he got his first check from Twitch TV because he was like, "This is more money than I'm making at my at, at GameStop." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah. Um, Guess you have to be pretty good, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna do it professionally, like on like a on like a esports level, but like a lot of the a lot of the general content streamers are either speedrunners and like there's a couple speedrunners that that speedrun full time now because Trishidi pays. Jesus. All the bills. So they just start Let's at eight a.m. or whatever and, and do a speedrun and then start again and do it again. There's yeah. There's one guy in August who was doing twelve hours a day of Super Mario sixty four. Just over and over. Just Man. yeah. Just he was that going for me insane. He was going for one hundred and twenty. Uh, star world record minimum yeah yeah and he he actually got the world record at some point and then somebody took it back like towards the end of August I think is what happened there I don't know how are there still records to be broken in Mario 64 like those games can be pushed like even like so far because I don't know Mario 64 is just insane like the way that like I think it's like Mario's movement system like is so like varied you can do so many different things and combinations of things and there's Mm -hmm. so many bugs to exploit and and the record the records come down to like execution. Okay. Like everybody, everybody knows the most optimal route by now, but now it's just like, can you do it without messing up? Wow. And yeah. So but Mario also has the quake style physics, as opposed to Unreal yeah. style physics. Yeah. Care to explain that? It has soft edge physics as opposed to hard cut off limit physics. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to, you can run a maximum of ten units per whatever you know, made up units in the game world and it actually caps it. So when you reach that velocity, it prevents you from going any faster by just butting up against that number Mm. in Mario. It actually uses the friction value to slow you down, which means that theoretically your speed force can get much higher as long as you can figure out a way to glitch into it. Yeah. Which is where the backwards, uh, jumping, yeah, the backwards long jump up the stairs glitch works. Uh, but yeah, um, so that's more that's a simulationist as opposed to a what what would you call the other approach? Uh, I don't know, like the 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 literalist or something. Like you you must specify every possible action and you 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 put well no you, you put the kibosh on any actions that are outside of your defined space. Sure. Whereas like Quake, Quake is like Mario in that it has, just has a friction coefficient that counters your maximum yeah. velocity, but you you know. It sort of approaches zero, like you can yeah. you can butt up against that edge, but it's a soft edge, unlike in Unreal, where it's actually clamped. Right. Yeah, and that's interesting because then I like Unreal too. You know, like. <laughs> well, I, uh, Unreal has enough crazy things going on. Yeah, I kind of liked how like Unreal. Like the, the double dash though. Yeah, the dodging is what made it work for me. But anyway, the so the last group of people on Twitch are just the uh, the ones that are sort of like doing like a uh, like. They're doing it based off their personality. Right. So there's like like man versus game. Um, he does his show and like it's people watch it for him, pretty much. Like he's like a personality on Twitch and like he mm-hmm. does his show and like he interacts with the audience a lot. So like a big part of it is like it's live and the chat is live and he can interact with the people watching directly. Man, we That's should do cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are we doing? Sure I don't want that. that. Um, yeah, I don't want that. We could do it because then Twitch just automatically records your stream, so you can just post the, the recording of it. But um, can't wait till people call me gay. I want to know what it sounds like to drop my wiener on the microphone. That's <laughs> 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 <Was> unexpected. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Good night. So. Oh hey, so let's talk about uh, Octodad. Oh yeah. Speaking of. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of floppy popping, physics members. Yeah, popping physics. Wow, that was a good transition. <laughs> high five, high five, everyone. <laughs> nice. Butt pets all around. Hey, oh. Classy. Octodad. Octodad finally got greenlit. Yay! Yay. Congratulations so to Phil and his team. The young horses. The young horses. Gonna be celebrating at the corral tonight. <laughs> that is what they call no it. No blue factory for you boys. <laughs> You're going all the way. Yeah, but that's really neat and cool, and I'm really happy for them. I'm not happy that Incredipede has not been greenlit yet. Yeah. 
That sucks. And Colin had a really good point, which was that, okay, so they just took the top 20, it turns out, games yeah. voted on, on Greenlight, which is makes sense from a Valve standpoint, but it also feels like they are, in fact, abdicating ownership over what they put on Steam to their community, right. and it's hype, 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 not looking for diamonds well, in the Those are their customers, right? I mean, we have to make games that are desired by the public if we want to make money that way. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. It feels it feels weird that they're just taking the top chunks every time. That is a weird system. I mean, it's kind of the same problem you encounter with IGF, which is everyone has their list of games that they think deserve to be on Steam, and anytime any games are taken in a group that are not the games that you want, then you point at the game that you wanted. You say, right. "Way, way, way." Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it, that's yeah. Part of that is that it's like. I think Incredipede would be amazing on Steam, but it's like, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's like, well, I didn't get the votes, so, you know, like, what do you want to do? Like, what is the, what is the answer there? Can it's you like, try again someday? Well, he can, he, he's always on there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, still, it's still running tally. Yeah, it's running tally, which means, like, but it, it kind of, it's, that's kind of weird a little bit to me, because it's just like, if you don't hit critical mass, like, off, the, out of the gate, I feel like you have way less of a chance later, or something, because, like, I feel like the discoverability is still kind of... The discoverability is a big problem because it's just going to blow it with more and more stuff and there's going to be more and more stuff stuck in purgatory. But really the problem is that that it's it's based on hype more than it's based on games. Yeah. Right. It's based on your ability to make a video. It's not based on like, here's a demo of your game. Everyone play it. Is it good? Oh, yes, it's surprisingly good. Let's like look mm. that shit up. It's like, here's either a well-produced video or a video in like a genre that steam thinks is cool <laughs> right. right like here's a yeah. horror game oh straight to the top right 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 well i mean yeah it's sort of becomes self-reinforcing right 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 i mean unfortunately for steam it like does make sense because oh hey we have potential customers on this one and maybe that is the case like maybe it would sell more units just because more people like that genre yeah, yeah. i mean you will have runaway hits that you sure. Your waveform is very low, Corey. Oh, shit. You might need to, both of you too, Ben and Corey might need to lean a little bit. Ben, right. you were saying? Oh, I was just saying that, I mean, Steam isn't necessarily obligated to do any green light at all. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, like, try and get into a debate on the, on that, but... Well, they're not obligated to do anything. They're right. a company they're that's a company, created to make money. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's, they're, they're a private company, you know, they don't have to... I, I like that Greenlight, Greenlight is there at all. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know how you would solve the problem of, like, if they're just going to pick... Like, so they pick the top 20, right? They could go in af after votes have been made, or the likes, whatever, and pick and choose, but then... How is that any different from what they had done before? Well, I guess it gives them at least one avenue for sifting. Because before, they were just fully drinking from the firehose. Thousands of People emails. People just email them, oh, I yeah. see what you're saying, yeah. Right, so it's thousands of emails, and the green light process gives them at least a chance to have people present their game in a, in a identical format each time, and then they can kind of look at the top games and see, you know, yeah. oh, is this worth looking at, right? I guess that would be pretty cool, like, curated by experts. But the problem is that there's no curation if they just take the top 20. Right. Then it really is just, you know, yeah. election by the masses, like, fully straight democracy. A democracy? <gasps> well, <laughs> democracies like... cause problems, right? You know, like, Pericles and shit. <laughs> Never mind. It should be like the, anyway, Hunger... should be well... like the Hunger Games, that's what I think. That's how you get on Steam. <laughs> well, okay, so the, so the reason why the Founding Fathers of America didn't create a elect uh, you know direct democracies because people can be swayed towards one thing or another yeah they and they like will it. they will regret it later mm. and it you know sometimes can give rise to dictatorship and stuff like that no i hate healthcare. right Healthcare is bullshit <laughs> but i mean i guess my point is just you know you know what you're going to get if you give it full democracy and I, I guess colin's disappointment he was expressing is we were hoping this was a sort of sifting mechanism that yeah. would allow for better curation yeah and it seems like the curation has not been applied after the fact and i kind of feel like that's what valve uh was like sort of pitching to the indie developers or like any anyone that's like i feel like what they were talking about when they talked about Greenlight was a system in which 
the audience brings the good games to them, but then Valve is, is still going to be like, okay, like, you know, thanks for all these games to look through, and now we're going to go through them, and and we we now know like that these are that these are complete games, or like these are actual games, and not like Modern Warfare is zipped up in a zip file <laughs> and emailed to us. <laughs> the source code for Lugaru. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I imagine a system in which uh, like the top X games would still like get in for sure, but then Valve would also take a look at some of the ones that are just like maybe in the top 100 or like around that area and be like, oh, look at these like you know games that I, you know for some reason aren't really picking up a lot of traction, but well, maybe they're on their radar now when they wouldn't have been before. I don't know. Yeah. Time has to tell. I mean, yeah. this is only the first round of things, and we talked That's about true. this last time. We should point out. So. Yeah, I guess we don't have to belabor the point. I just yeah. it's an interesting development that they took the top twenty. That is, yeah. I, you know, what would you be saying if they cherry picked a bunch of games that we thought were cool? We'd probably be like, hey, it's working. Right, and then we'd be like, oh, they didn't pick Incredipede, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'd be... Like top 20, yeah. yeah we'd, we'd, <laughs> they should just pick the top 20. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you no, but it, really, they should pick Incredipede. If you made it rain cookies, they complain about the milk. Yes. They anyway, would. we're just upset that Colin isn't on Steam yet. That's the <laughs> subtext of this. Well, and but but it's not an upset born of simply loving Colin and wanting to run my fingers through his beautiful chops. Right. It's because Incredipede... <laughs> <I do. laughs> you and Ginger's, man. The chunk... <laughs> Once you go ginge, you no, always no, binge. No. Okay. Yikes. <laughs> Broke pen. Um, yeah, no, it's it's because I think Incredipede would actually do really well on Steam. Like it's. I think it's going to do really well without Steam. I think it's going to do really well, period. But yeah. it's just absurd to me that, that they don't see that. Yeah. But then again, it's absurd to me that Xbox Live picks the games they pick and Sony oh. picks the games they pick. Some of the games that they pick, I'm like, yeah, right on. And then some of the pick, some of them, I'm like, mm, I don't know. And so it's 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 like that's a purely curated system. So it's an interesting counterpoint to the mm. purely democratic system that Steam seems to be setting up. Although it is know, an interesting counterpoint. Yeah. I you know I for a long time a lot of people have looked at the games that get put on XPLA and PSN and, and I and say you know oh I understand why they chose those games but they were wrong and it's really easy to sort of like retcon like... and look at it from the hindsight. But from their perspective, it's like, how do you figure that out? Well, it's like, kind of like Edmund really said. Problem. Like Edmund said, when they were launching Meat Boy on Xbox, they thought that it, because it was a 2D game, it wasn't going to do well. Like, that was their criteria. Like, that, the people at the top thought 3D will sell better than 2D, so I think the Steam system is at least better than that. People who know about games are choosing them, at least. Yeah. I mean, I guess the kid here. Yeah. Well, it just comes back to the fact that nobody really understands games very well, and especially not what makes a good game versus a bad game like even us as game designers it's yeah like, yeah right? that's, why, that's why we make a lot of games and then like maybe one of them will do really well <laughs> yeah like, we we'll be like why the hell did that one do well what the hell right yeah yeah like cannibal like adam's made so many games and cannibal that's the one that just took off like crazy who can say the one why? that he jammed out in like four days yeah like he's sitting next to me yeah and i was watching a bill I was like, that oh, was my first game that's jam. pretty cool ever nice. so like my first game jam was like oh boy i made like a like a half working shmup in four days <laughs> and adam is like i made my most successful flash game ever <laughs> <laughs> right now you're oh, so hey, many bro. people's adam oh hey bro <laughs> oh man i'm not i'm not at adam levels yet i mean to the uat kids you are though oh well <laughs> everybody needs something you're yeah. the chosen they one. need an enemy to, to fight <laughs> Okay, against. project updates. How's the project updates. going, Aaron? It's pretty good. I'm having a good time with it. My programmer, Mike, has just put in a bunch of cool stuff like bouncy planets and ice planets and uh, what else? Repulsor planets and mega gravity planets. And those can be combined in interesting ways that I'm just starting to explore now. So that's all getting pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot about gravity. Rad, bro. Tell me more about this, the mega, the mega gravity. So it's a really dense planet that... Uh, she has a hard time jumping off of, but if you run and jump, she can kind of orbit it in this, these little circles that you have to like try to exit from. Hmm. Oh, so not a huge okay. planet, they're just like... No, they're really dense. And if you okay. make them bigger, they will attract you more, because that's already in the game. Like the sure. scale of the planet affects the pull. But yeah, these are different. And I have to tune them so that you don't just get stuck to them. <laughs> oh, if you want right. to defeat Frieza, you need to train Oh yeah, that's planets. where you train. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. With the sins of <laughs> I'm also putting in some puzzle-type levels that are more about how you use the gravity in the round planets. And these are bigger planets that you can walk around on. These aren't the main levels. And those are, I call them the guardians, because they have a big creature on them that you have to solve a puzzle with in some way. So Like a deer with tube socks? For instance. <laughs> it's the deer guardian. 
This garden is too soft. Maybe he's trying so to walk good. quietly. We don't know. Yeah, maybe he's trying to slide in hardwood floors. <laughs> he's mercurial. <laughs> Hooves are very clicky. He has yeah. his own mercurial purposes. Yeah. The uh, the uh, sack there is very mercurial. Comes and goes at his own will. He has geometry in his hair. <laughs> His, his antlers are in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think that Aaron's going to pop a vein from dating me. Nonsense. <laughs> Kyle, how are, um, your, how are your various projects? Well, let's see. I'm trying to get uh, Jottobots done. And I'm also working on making more levels for Snapshot for Sony. So that Sony will like us. Um, that's pretty much it. Like... Honestly, like, like Snapshot came out, and I kind of, like, like fell off the face of, like, the motivation planet. <laughs> I saw you eating at In-N-Out a lot. That's it. Oh, yeah. That means you're off the wagon. Yeah. Or when I'm off the wagon, I might as well roll in the ditch. Is what I <laughs> <laughs> when I'm off the wagon, I might as well roll in the ditch. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, ate a lot of cheeseburgers. <laughs> um, had a lot of milkshakes. I played a lot of Borderlands 2, and, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of feeling it again, like, the whole, like, working on stuff flow, um, hoping to get Jottobots out, like, in the next couple weeks, like, two weeks, maybe. For those who might know, what is Jottobots? Oh, right, so, it was a game I made three years ago for, um, the Art X Game Collective, which was... I remember that. Yeah, it was, like, this... Thing. Oh shit, was that like 2009? Yeah. I remember that. Nice. So long ago. Whoa, yeah. that was a different lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really weird of a of a time. 2009 was when I moved to Phoenix and like kind of whim to make that. Probably met you at that thing, the art games thing maybe. Um maybe mine was separate. Mine was mine was done after. Okay. The GDC one. Oh, okay. Never so, mind then. So yeah, the first batch was done by like Derek and Petri and Cactus and Anthropy, I think. Mm-hmm. And then after that they um, Adam Robazzilli was the guy that was putting it all together, and he contacted me to do uh, another, like, an extended RX game, game, uh, I guess, and uh, so I was paired with uh, J. Otto Seibold, who is a, like, a children's book illustrator, and um, I guess he's a pretty fairly well-known artist, because basically we made this game to um, open at, like, a gallery of his that was going to happen in Giant Robot in, uh, in L.A., so... It was a lot of fun. I, I made, like, a, this, like, it's like a mini Metroidvania game, um, and it's got, like, arcade-style, like, high scores and stuff like that, um, and so I made that game in, like, a month, and then I got to go to LA for, like, the gallery opening, and, like, there's a crap load of people there just, like, to see his artwork and stuff, and he made all of his art based off of the game, which is cool, um, and then I got... I got one of the pieces of art for free. Nice. <laughs> it's like a $500 value. Most value acquired <laughs> from a game yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so I didn't release it publicly because it was kind of, it would, it was like in the, the uh, Japanese American History Museum in what? LA. <laughs> um, because of the, the giant robot connection. Wow. Um, That's neat. So it was in- Because of Japan a, and giant robots? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, Giant Robot is like an Asian thing, right? I think. Japanese. Asian fusion cuisine? Like, yeah, that's it. Uh, it's delicious. Um, I thought it was a magazine. It's like it a is. cheeseburger with soy sauce it's on it. Is it a magazine in a restaurant? <laughs> no, no, it's not a restaurant at all. Um, anyway, it has something to do with. You try the new Islamic place Japanese. down the street? It's pretty good. <laughs> it has something to do with Japanese history. I'm going to stop uh, talking about this before I become offensive about it. Um, <laughs> um, and then it was it was at uh, like baby castles for a while, um, in in New York City, uh, and then I just sort of forgot about it, <laughs> and I didn't release it for a long time. It's been on my website forever. It's like coming soon. <laughs> oh, you should have put the quotation marks around. Yeah. Soon. So so now it's actually coming soon, and it should be out pretty soon. It's just you have some crazy plan about releasing more games before GDC, right? Uh, yeah, I have this game, and I have two more games to release before GDC. Jesus Christ. Nice. I gotta hit five. That's my goal. It's a lot of games. Yep. It's because I felt so stagnant, like, for the past, like, two years or so. I have to make up for that feeling. But that's that's what I'm doing. Me and Corey, are, we just put a game in the schools. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess it's only in one school. It's in it. It's I gonna, guess it's just in one school. It's gonna It'll be in, be in more than that yeah. next week. Atlantis Remix, The Doctor's Cure, is yeah. premiering in 
Mrs. What's-Her-Name's class. In Tucson. In Tucson, Arizona, the Sunnyside <laughs> School District. Oh, yes, Mrs. What's-Her-Name. I had her for social studies. <laughs> <laughs> the kids liked it, right? They really did. They were, like, excited. Yeah, you, you got to yeah. go watch them play. What was that like? It was it was pretty interesting. Um, a lot of them really did get into it, and we, you know, got to see, like, a lot of people writing essays and stuff that were real essays. I should say articles that were, like, really meaningful to them and not just, like, the typical essay you would see in a school. Just to set this up, the game is about persuasive writing. Right, so yeah. we're, we're trying to set up a world where uh, things have consequences, so the, the players, the students, are tasked with writing a report, or a, I guess it's a... An, uh, it's not, it's, newspaper yeah, it's article. Persuasive newspaper article to go into the newspaper in the town, which then changes people's minds about a sort of bioethics dilemma involving a plague, <laughs> and then... But basically the gist of it is we give them a world populated by characters, try to get them to care about it through games and, and then let them write about it as opposed to just assigning people a crappy topic for an essay and letting them write. And the theory behind it is that you know it's really sucky to just hand kids a topic and let them write mm-hmm. and they don't want to engage with that. And so we're trying to engage these kids, many of whom are you know highly at risk like to uh, drop out of high school, you know that English is a second language. And you know, eighty something percent of the kids are on like subsidized lunches in the school district, and the community came together and put this bond together for ten million dollars, and they like raised their own taxes to put together ten million dollars to get a laptop for every kid oh, okay. at this school district, all eighteen thousand kids. Yeah, that's insane. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a heartwarming story. Really awesome. Yeah. And they they actually did it right. They were paying uh, proper IT professionals to maintain the laptop and the networks and the schools and stuff like that. So yeah, I was pretty impressed because I went to Tucson with Corey and she was like, "Yeah, all these kids have laptops." So I'm just like, "Are you serious? Like, it's crazy." <laughs> we didn't have laptops. <laughs> I'm old. Really nice. They're well maintained. I'm they're also like well like monitored so like the kids aren't just playing minecraft in class all day because they totally would be if they but like is, <laughs> is minecraft like minecraft is like a game that i'd be like okay with like kids playing all the time <laughs> as part of the I mean, center for games and impact lecture. not during a lecture okay sure but. but but as part of the center for games and impact under which secret frog studios is currently working they are creating a Minecraft curriculum that is, hmm. you know, approved by educators at ASU for use in middle schools. Nice. That's, That's insane. insane. Yeah, fucking notch, man. Yeah. <laughs> guys yeah, we'll go hang out with them yeah. next month. Oh, nice. Um, no big deal. They're like, nice education, bro. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is really cool and interesting, and, and it's such a fascinating experiment because it's like, here are these kids who probably are not going to go to college. That's not really a part of what their life is going to be like so they thought well but but what we're trying to do is is give them skills that it won't matter if they go to college or not right like they're setting up fab labs and they're trying to get all the kids into programming and they're introducing Mm. them to this technology they would otherwise not yeah they have like 3d printers instead of shop class right stuff like that yeah yeah they're putting in like 3d printing fab labs as opposed to metal class and so the kids go Mm. in and like learn about you know, 3D modeling programs yeah. in CAD and like, That's you know, it's cool. like the thing that they model. Yeah, yeah. It'd be crazy. Yeah, it's super neat. But anyway, so that's what we're doing at ASU. Yeah. How's growing going? Uh, growing. As a result of ASU, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> so, so basically with the ASU stuff, we were like jamming on that for the past two-ish months and like basically had to give up all our weekends. And so I had this, like, awesome game plan where I was going to be like, oh, every weekend, like, get this much done and growing. I have, like, a task list with, you know, so many things left. And it was like, every weekend would tick by, and it's like, oh, you guys were working this weekend. It's like, all right, mark that one off. Aww. All right, next weekend. <laughs> and I, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's what happened with me in scale stuff, right? I, yeah. Like, I haven't worked on the game for a long time. It feels really shitty. Yeah. Crunch is shitty. Let's talk about Crunch a little bit because it actually doesn't work at all and it's actively negative, right? Yeah, Andy Moore had a great Oh yeah. Post. Andy yeah. talk about that was pretty fantastic. I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, I missed it. It was the forty hour work week post. So basically his his he explained where the forty hour work week comes from. It's like the exact amount of time that factory workers can be working 
before they just like start making more mistakes than they're worth. Right, diminishing returns. Right. It, but it's but not even diminishing not returns, diminishing. it's actually fully reversing the Oh, well, that's for that's for knowledge workers. So yeah. but they they did these same studies on knowledge workers, which is like, you know, most yeah. of the like, like solving critical problems. Right. Se- se- sector, yeah. Now and they realized that forty hours is like you've already passed the point of diminishing your like any less than that or any more than that is like you're at the point of negative returns. Interesting. And and they, you know, for three or four days, you can do like a burst of hyper work that will actually be productive, but it over the long term, it's actually net negative and you'll... And that probably casts a long shadow over you if you do that. Oh yeah, I mean, we're burnt out of shit. I mean, like, <laughs> I've been having terrible health problems and mm-hmm. like just feeling like total garbage. Well, yeah, it, it starts the negative cycle of just self-repeating negativity where it's just like you're stressed out and then something then like when you're stressed out to that point like then you're somebody not sleeping tells, well somebody tells you to work on the weekend or you yeah, have plans and then, yeah. and then like you develop some sort of health problem if you're really sick because you're crunching and then you can't you can't work as much because now you're sick because of your crunch and mm-hmm. then that requires you to crunch more because you're not getting enough hours in and out and then it's just like this whole clusterfuck of stupidity I've taken more sick days over the past two months than I have over the past year. That's crazy. That's really telling. Yeah, that's a good stat to actually bring up. Oh, like, I can't believe we're actually talking about this. I mean, it's really good, but at the same time, it's like well, most people won't. My, I mean, my, my own personal experience is that crunch is not worth it, right? Mm. It's like I tell the kids that I, that I teach at their institute, you can take time out of like the sleep bank to crunch, but, but that it's... interest is a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you tell your students that. I do. Literally that. <laughs> they like me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. And I feel like the same principle applies at the at the meta level of crunching for a large number of days. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, we did that experiment at Flashbang where we did four hour work days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We made all of blush in eight weeks. And that's... And we felt amazing, and we had a great time, and everybody was, like, blossoming and <laughs> cultivating hobbies and, like, working out every day. and Building positive interpersonal relationships. With humans. <laughs> yeah, with other humans, that's, not computers. That's another what? <laughs> shitty is just, like, it, like, you start to just view your, like, workday hours as less valuable or, like, more wasteable or, like, you can't, you can't think with the same like oh i'm gonna try and get everything done as fast as i can because you're just gonna slow down right well it just feels like this endless chasm between you and finishing and so it's like why you know i'll just take little steps that's that's what it feels like to me it's it's like visceral experience of if i know i'm gonna be there until fucking midnight then it's easy to slack off you guys have gone all night before a couple of times and that's like yeah, and that was that. dumb. I mean, we just made a bunch of bugs. Right? Right. That's, yeah. Somebody thought that was a good idea. Like, I think but, uh, we've done it four times total. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's all this year, right? Do and and of course, people who are in the mainstream game industry are like, you know, suck it up, princess. <laughs> right? But you guys really need to take a close eye to whether or not your productivity is net negative or positive because there's a lot of research, in fact, an IGDA white paper, which you can read, mm-hmm which links to a huge number of other sources, which will tell you that working knowledge workers beyond something like 26 to 28 hours a week, it's not, it's, yeah. act, and it's, it's not just like a, a figment of my imagination. It's like there is data to back it up, many mm-hmm. studies. Yeah, and I feel like most, it's like the problem is that I, I feel like most managers, and I don't, I'm just like assuming this in my brain because it makes sense in my brain, is that like most managers like read that kind of research and they just think like, these guys just want more time off, like than like everyone else or whatever. It's just, or, or they think honestly, that it's counterintuitive. Or they think it doesn't apply people. to them. Maybe like yeah. this, their group is the exception, and they'll get away with it. I think yeah, I think that's probably the most common thing is that most people just believe that they are the exception. I think it's more insidious and human than that. Actually, <laughs> oh, I really? think it's that as soon as you are put in the position of management, when you have to sign paychecks for people, you freak the fuck out because you can actually watch the money going down over mm. time. And the money is a finite amount and it ticks down and you watch the progress on the product and you need the product to be done at a certain time so that you have money going up again. Like I've been in that position and when people take off early, you like want to throw up. Okay, yeah. And it's like so weird because when, when it's just you or when it's you're in the, the mirror of that position and you're the one who's being paid, 
you're like, uh, I want to leave because I don't feel good and I'm done for today and I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything useful. But then you feel this weird pressure to stay. And it's just, it's just like that system creates people who behave irrationally. Yeah. Like being a manager causes, unless you're really fucking good at it, mm-hmm. causes well, some you to people be are. like a, a maniac. Yeah. There was actually um, one of the first comments that I saw on Andy Moore's post when he made it was like, someone was like, oh, hey, that's really interesting. So could I like offer to pay like less money and they would work less hours in the week? Like mm. if they if they made that connection and it was like, uh, Andy's response was like, yeah, but I don't think anyone would ever take that because no one's thinking about like their mental health. Like yeah, that. everyone thinks more money is better, right? So they probably wouldn't go for that. Yeah, well, I mean, it just goes to prove that that the best kind of work is the one that connects you directly to your source of income. Like if you're a, a creative person, if you create something and then people buy it, that's kind yeah, of, it seems like a, stake a, in the a really mm-hmm. good financial outcome. Yeah, and lots of our friends are like workaholics, I would say, but they even, I don't know, it's different than somebody asking you to crush. They binge and purge. I mean, if you look at like the- Purge. Well, if you look <laughs> no at more like- games. If you, no, if you look at the Northways, right? Like they live an amazing life. And they're, you know, working relatively hard right now to get Incredipede mm-hmm. out, but they spent quite a long time doing prototypes and traveling the world and, you know, swimming and doing crazy <laughs> things and amazing... Exploring jungles and... Exotic, funny exotic jellyfish. Yeah, flicker. snorkeling and swimming. And <laughs> swimming and go, and go in the dark water. You know, those are called uh, Narc de Luca. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice word. This was Narc. a good indie game house fact. That's your indie game house <laughs> vocabulary word of the day. The, Yay. The, the, uh, phosphorescent tides. Yeah, the phosphorescent microorganisms that occur seasonally in oceans are called an arctic. Well, <laughs> so, that is a good fact. So, uh, <laughs> good music. Musical accompaniment. Yeah, good music. From indiegamehouse.com's audio engineer, Ben Printy. That's me. <laughs> so now I'm curious of, like, what is everyone's, like, work habits here? Like, when you're working on your own, your own stuff. Short um, sprints, including usually. Including me. Yeah. Start with Ben, because yeah, he hasn't talked for a while. Okay. Um, when I worked on the FTL soundtrack, my three months of, quote, crunch, I never worked more than six hours a day. Um, and my day would be interrupted by, like, an hour-long lunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I bet you felt really tired at the end of the day. I still felt tired. Like and I still felt a like, ton of work. And I got a lot done. And I never went insane. And that's pretty important. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> it's time for pancakes. Makes Homer something something. Yeah. Um, go crazy. Wait, wait. Pancakes are not insane. <laughs> so, are you, did you like? Do you like wake up and then just get to work right away? Yeah, I would wake up at like nine and like do a run or something um eat breakfast and i'd start by like ten thirty, and work until like two i don't know how many hours that is and then i'd work a bit more after that after lunch and uh that was it and sort of like i'd do habit. like f- four or five usually five days a week sometimes four days a week i was working mm-hmm. but were you consciously limiting yourself to six hours yes okay smart so I'm curious, what do you, like, so when I'm programming stuff, working on games, I, I listen to music. So what do you musicians do? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, you play I'm video listening. games? <laughs> I read. I have a book open in front of me as I'm sitting. No. Um, yeah, that's a big problem, is I don't get to listen to as much work, uh, listen to as much music as I'd like. Hey, this is my least favorite thing about making sound effects. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's like when yeah. you, that's why whenever I go to game jams, like sound is like the last thing I do because I have to cut off my. I gotta turn off the Dragon Force. Right. <laughs> but, but the Grin Which is soundtrack. bullshit. I mean, I, I do get a ton of audio-related stimulation while I'm making music, mm-hmm. which I love. So like, you know, I don't really mind that much. But yeah, I do like I don't have like several hours where I just get to listen to music, which I'd like because there's a lot of stuff I want to listen to. Yeah, so like, when like when you're like, let me think. That's how would you say like, do you just find yourself in like the zone of getting a lot of shit done if you just like wake up and get right to it, or I, is there a way that you like kind of have to get into the groove? I just have to force myself. Okay, uh, that's a good way to do it. Hmm. There's no, like, I will get in the groove if I just make myself start to work. Right. Yeah. There's like the whole thing where it's like, you know, like set, set a timer for like forty five minutes to an hour and then just like work for that time 
which is and called Pomodoro. Apparently, yeah. Pomodoro. Yeah. I always knew it as time boxing. So, like, it's yes. this is this is I think this is different than because you because isn't that when like you take a time and then you take a break and then do more time? I think so. Like yeah, it's based on a timer thing that's called a Pomodoro. You can oh. take a break, but you don't necessarily. Right, because so, it's like strictly part of it. Yeah, so like what I've done sometimes is like is like sit down for like an hour with a timer open, and when the timer runs out, it's like if I'm feeling like I can I can keep going, like I'm in the zone now, then mm -hmm. just keep going. Oh, that's smart. And like don't don't stop. But if I'm feeling like I need a break, then it's just like okay, fuck it. I've been an hour worth solid. Mm -hmm. I can take a break. I can feel good about that. Yeah, and then come back to it. But if I if I'm feeling really into it, and that's like, it's actually like worked like uh, a number of times and like things where I'm just feeling like it's a good hack yeah for getting yourself into the groove yeah I'd really like to try and implement that sometime I didn't really do it I mean when I was doing FTL it was like the game's coming out in September I have no choice right right and that's yeah. a good yeah, that, yeah, okay. so, so deadline. proper deadlines are a really good motivator amazing too. yeah external that's the deadlines. best yeah. best motivator I've ever had is a deadline right um, but yeah I really want to implement that now that I like you know I'll probably be spending more time on my own projects now and mm -hmm. probably and gravity ghost and gravity ghost yes. <laughs> gravity ghost is your own projects yes <clears throat> yeah so time boxing mm -hmm. hot tip for getting into the zone uh other, other yeah other tips. i would offer this tip that if you really don't feel like working you probably shouldn't because you'll just you won't get anything done or maybe if you do it won't feel good and it, you won't be probably happy with it the thing that I really want to work on right now that seems to be my number one priority as far as work and motivation is I want to be more wholehearted. So if I'm going to work on something, I need, I want to work on that and nothing else and turn off everything and pour my entire being into that one thing and align everything I'm doing with that. And that no actually... Twitter no Twitter? <laughs> yeah, and, and oh, I mean, like, this is, you know, it's the ADD problem or whatever you want to call it. Lots of people have this problem. No, it is a the distraction problem. problem. Yeah. But it's like... It's, it's, I think it's built into the internet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's getting worse because we're engineering more services to nag at you. Yeah. Like, some part of my brain is always thinking about Twitter now, mm -hmm. and it's, like, hard to shut it off. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's hard to shut it off even when I leave the computer and go hiking or something. Yeah, but it's interesting, because eh? if you spend, like, like, a week home with your family or with your old friends or people you like, you start to realize Twitter isn't that important. Like, it's just not as satisfying a social experience as actually being around people. But I don't then, know. I keep getting those great checks from Twitter yeah, every week. For all those yeah, for all awesome the jokes. followers I have. Yeah. <laughs> how many retweets does your last joke get? Actually, yeah. Twitch is kind of like that, though. <laughs> oh, cool, yeah, I don't know, like... I don't know. Twitter's awesome, but it's not a substitute for actually hanging out with people, and I much prefer hanging out with people. And it's hard to, it's like easy to forget that if you're like working all the time, like, oh, this is my link to people. You know, I could just, I'll just tab over and, and, you know, have some social interaction and then go back to my game. It's like, that's, that's not a good ha habit to fall into, I don't think. Not really. <laughs> um, I find that when I'm working, and in those six hours in the day that I'm working, I do like to, like, even every, like, 20 or 30 minutes, just, like, getting up. And like mm. walking around the house and moving around and maybe going outside and running around a bit or something. That's not a bad like, idea. Gotta keep, I have to like, I can't stay stimulated for like a super long time, like uninterrupted. Mm. Um, so I have to like get up and move around a bit. And then when I come sit down again, I'm like far more yeah. focused. Yeah, I get up and clean. That helps. Yeah, that's, 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 something like that. Yeah. yeah. You're saying you're like a shuck. Uh, maybe. <laughs> what? You, can't, you have to keep moving. Um, yeah. I found a big thing for me is, uh, this might just be a personal preference thing, but like changing my location up a lot helps. Like I like to go to coffee shops. Yeah. Kind of see this. Why is it, it's weird that works. Why does that work? Or like I, just, I like being stimulated by like totally different places. Yeah. And Kyle's the exact opposite. He likes to work in the same it's, place every day. It's yeah, so hard for me to lose my, or it's so hard, it's so hard for me to like leave my room to like <laughs> something. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I noticed when we were in Austin for Fantastic Fest, I was getting a ton of stuff done. And I mean, uh, part of that was being able to show the game to people and having a panel talk where I was going to be showing it on stage. Oh, yeah, totally. but, but also, just like, you know, new location, uh, I'll just sit down and work. What the heck? There's no, yeah. you know, blockage here. But when I say wholehearted, I mean, you know, when you're working, you're doing that wholeheartedly. And when you're, you know, on Twitter, like, I'm not passing judgment on Twitter. Like, if I'm going to be on Twitter, I'm just going to wholeheartedly do that for a while. But more importantly, like go the fuck outside mm -hmm. and wholeheartedly breathe in nature and experience like the sunlight and go hiking and Kinda look sucks at things. That it's 110. Completely focused. Completely focused. Yeah. So right now, none of us is checking Twitter. We're all completely focused on talking <laughs> to each other. Aaron's playing Tiny Tower. 
<laughs> no, most of us are <laughs> all we're focused on each other and i think that's part of why i like doing the podcast so much because it feels yeah. so nice to sit and actually just talk to people for a while yeah it's really hard to do that these days which is weird it is weird um, i'm putting away tiny towers it's, like, <laughs> it's like that i think i've mentioned this before but it's like that whole game where when you go to dinner with people you're supposed to everyone put, puts their cell phone in the middle yeah, of the table and whoever like checks it has to pay yeah. right yeah I've noticed that if it's a group of people who you're not super comfortable with, like the phones come out a lot earlier. Oh, yeah, people totally don't people don't consider that a problem. It's like, oh, this is not my close group the of friends. F- the phone, phone is totally my like introvert escape plan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh god, like I don't know these people. There's a good band name. Oh, <laughs> introvert <laughs> escape plan. It's Holy a it's shit. a it could be a Dillinger right escape plan now. cover band. <laughs> <laughs> At a bar, looking awkward, playing guitars. Yeah, I'm just like checking my phone as I play guitar. Yeah, this must have like just come in in the smartphone era too, because I didn't notice it before that. No, like, this is a new thing that we have now. I'm glad I don't have a smartphone. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, my phone's pretty dumb. It only texts. I don't ever like, check, check it because it's too dumb. Yeah, Corey. I think, I think my, my phone you might never need check some... your phone ever, Corey. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's really hard to get a hold of you on the phone. I think my phone might need some frontal lobe damage, like just a rack to the back of the head, so it's not quite so smart. <laughs> To dumb it down a little bit. Okay, so that was an hour that we just talked for. Uh, do we have any parting thoughts? We never talked about Mark of the Ninja on Steam, which we can talk about next time. And everyone's assignment is to play XCOM. <laughs> oh, XCOM. So that we can talk about it next week. So I was going to wait until XCOM was on sale before I... Your mom's on sale. Fucking buy it. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't even make any sense. Oh, my God. She's a good deal, though. Your mom's She's, your, your, mom's, your mom's the town exercise bike. She's on sale oh, on the man. front lawn. <laughs> next to the grass clippings um your mom is turn based right your mom is turn based mm. favorite game fun. designer favorite game designer insult well, okay i don't have any closing thoughts any cl- okay um what about our wonderful guest thanks ben thanks for being here hey it was a good time thanks yeah for thanks for amazing. getting us uh couriers oh, oh yeah. yeah we can talk about couriers for like two minutes because it's Warriors, so- yeah <laughs> the best dice game you'll ever play. it's a dice game and it comes in a box that can be rolled as a die i hope that eric zimmerman figures out how to mass produce armada d6 which is a game that he made that won an award at indicate that i am quite fond of Ooh, cool. i only played it once in an earlier version but it, it was very promising and enjoyable at that point is that the one he had in madison or is it a that was we played it in madison yeah Oh, that was a fun game. Yeah, Quarters is like a dice building deck building game with dice. It's like Dominion but fun. It won't wow! Oh, shit. Burn of the podcast. Damn, we had, we got to put that in the preview for everyone <laughs> to listen to. The preview highlights. <laughs> yeah, wow. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of agree. Dominion's like playing solitaire for a long time with friends nearby. So does this just have more, like, aggressive strategy and stuff? I'm the only one who didn't play because I was busy Yeah, Quarters is like, it's like a deck-building game, but with dice. And so, yeah, so you... care a lot what other people are doing. But well, like, you, you automatically attack every time your okay. creatures come out. Cool. So that's... Yeah, because that was really my only big complaint with Dominion, with not enough stuff that you do to other players. Yeah. Yeah, when we have this expansion now that even... That deepens that mechanic of interacting with other players. Yeah, there's a lot more... That's pretty cool. Like nasty yeah. stuff that you can do to other players it actually addresses some of the problems that i had with the original game with like uh that you always have enough resources to buy like the highest high mm-hmm. level cards from the very beginning I, I prefer more of a build-up kind of thing yeah i'm gonna make a deck building you game gotta, you gotta, and you can all make fun of it <laughs> oh yeah what's the theme dragon force i don't know yet <laughs> metal you're building a metal band <laughs> Take a building a metal if band. you have an idea building. for a deck building theme i'll send you a piece um but yeah I mean, there's that one time where there was three beast dragons that got rolled somehow. Oh yeah, that was, was like amazing. A statistic anomaly. Or... Yeah. Yeah. The the complaint against Quarriers is that it is too random because of the dice rolling. It is super. But that random. makes it. Like, that's the thing that makes it fun to me. Yeah, it's. It, I think it does actually add a lot because then it takes a little of the pressure off, like hyper gaming it, and it's also like it's funny and fun to watch people. It roll. It is pretty funny because like yeah, the one time where Gary rolled. And the only way that he was going to stop me from winning is if he rolled his Mega Dragon, because my Mega Dragon was out. Right. And then he got his Mega Dragon, but then he didn't roll enough resources to, to actually summon up, it. And it was like, and it, Kyle was, won. it was actually like, the whole arc of that game was actually like a really awesome, like, I don't know, like story kind of thing, where it's just like... Yeah, it was good. I think it's actually, yeah, I think it's all about... Just because Kyle won. No, even <laughs> even the game where Steve, Steve won was, was really interesting, though, because like he was... Doing a cool strategy of like getting the spells from the, from the priest dude, but mm-hmm, that was cool. Um, but 
I think that's what it's more about is like at the end of the game like did a cool sequence of events happen that led to the end of the game and like was there like an awesome dramatic moment where like you know somebody rolled a die roll and everyone at the table was like oh shit and like yeah. all that kind of stuff like <laughs> so by that measure Mage Knight is the worst game I've ever played <laughs> So Mage Knight is like highly rated on the board game Geek. It's side. highly rated, and yeah. the the Penny Arcade guys thought it was awesome. And <laughs> jeez, the the simple start rules is like a ten thousand word essay. <laughs> like. yeah, it's it's like Proust to get the game up and running. Jeez. So I am a Mage Knight PhD. I will show you how this game. Yeah, we yeah I feel like, like we needed a Mage Knight Scholar. Yeah, there's probably, we can actually uh, send a request out and a, uh, a Mage Knight Scholar who lives near Phoenix will yeah. be able to come out. Probably. Yeah, show us. Is anyone the out there? Is anyone costume, listening? Do you wear robes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put on my robe and wizard hat. I want to be oh, wearing a wizard costume when he shows up at our dark. Dr. Blood Ninja, can you please invite us <laughs> to the playing oh. of this game? Dear God. I would play I would play Mage Knight with Blood Ninja. That'd be really funny. <laughs> Okay, so that wraps it up for the third edition of Indie Game House Podcast. This is the Christmas edition, of course. Yeah. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. Good night.